your Bible tonight to Psalm 20, Psalm 20, <clears throat> and uh, this is uh, in the day of trouble or God's blessing over you in your day of trouble, and what I want to do is walk, just simply walk through uh, these verses just uh, one at a time, Psalm 20, and the, and, the, and the heading will be the verse itself, there are no headings except the verse, so we want to look at verse 1, the first part of verse 1, where the Bible says here, May the Lord answer you in the day of trouble. Now, what do you do uh, in the day of trouble? And there's going to be one of those days in your life. Uh, most trouble when it comes, uh, and as a matter of fact, stays longer than a day or a night, one way or another. It shadow hangs over our life far longer than we anticipated it would, and this psalm also assumes that you will, in some season of trouble, cry out to the Lord for help that only He can give. It expresses a desire that the Lord will respond to your personal need. And so, there's some question about how this psalm ought to be read. Uh, there's a question about whether or not it's a blessing pronounced upon David by someone else, or maybe it's a prayer that was prayed over his life, or maybe he, it was a blessing that he pronounced on someone. But I think that what is important is not what it was, but what it is, and it comes to us not as a word from David, but as a word from God. So in, in keeping with what we've seen in the book of Romans, we, we hopefully you will sense tonight as we read this psalm, what I would love for you to sense is the Lord himself speaking these words over your life, interceding for you in your personal time of trouble. The word trouble, by the way, means distress, tribulation, and <clears throat> it means especially the kind of trouble that comes from the hand of an adversary. Uh, a similar word was used of Hannah. You remember the story of Hannah, and uh, she had an adversary whose name was Penina, and that woman gave her a lot of grief, and the, and the grief and the difficulty and the tribulation, it's that kind of word that's used here. She was deeply discouraged. She described herself as a woman oppressed in spirit, and certainly that's what trouble can do. It can overwhelm us. It can discourage us, and so this psalm, then, as we look at it in that first part of that first verse, assumes that you're praying for God's help, and as a blessing pronounced upon you, it joins you in your moment of need. So what do you do in a time of trouble? What should you do in a time of trouble? Well, in a time of trouble, uh, it's time to cry out to God. It's time to ask for God's help. Uh, so... And, and remember that God knows where you are. He knows your name. He knows your needs. Uh, he knows the specific predicament in your life, the specific set of circumstances, the road that you're walking. And that's one of the things that we'll identify as we go further through this psalm. Look at the second part of verse 1. It says, May the name of the God of Jacob set you securely on high. So this blessing comes against your problems 
in the mighty name of God. You might say, well, it comes against my problems in the mighty name of Jesus. Well, that's true too. But I want you to think of some of the names of God in the Old Testament. Uh, one of the names of God that I love is a name that Hagar gave to God uh, in the Old Testament when she felt like that God didn't know where she was and what she needed. And he came through for her and she called him El Roi, which means you are the God who sees me. And of course, last week we talked about Abraham who found out that God was sufficient for any need in any set of circumstances, and he called the name of that spot, giving God a new name, he called him Jehovah Jireh, or you are the Lord who provides. And then in the Old Testament, because of their disobedience, the children of Israel came into a time of trouble that brought sickness into their life, and when God delivered them from their sickness, they gave God a new name. They called him Jehovah Rapha. You are the Lord who heals me. Just simply to let you know that as you look at this verse, may the name of the God of Jacob set you securely on high. God has a name equal to your need, more than sufficient for your need. And this prayer is that the name of God would set you securely out of reach of whatever it is that threatens you. Now we move to verse 2. In verse 2 we read, May he send you help from the sanctuary and support you from Zion. Now what sanctuary is he talking about? Is he talking about some church sanctuary somewhere, the Methodist church sanctuary or the Baptist church sanctuary or the Catholic church sanctuary? He's talking about from the sanctuary of his own presence. There are times when we need divine intervention. We need help from the very throne of God. We say, God, I don't need an army. I don't need money. I don't need friends. I don't need family. But God, right now, what I need is you. That may be how you've walked in the door tonight. Uh, you've come here in need, and, and you need a blessing from the hand of God and nothing less than that. There are moments in all of our lives when desperation sets in, sets in and nothing else will do but a miracle from God. If that is what you seek, may that be what you find fresh from the throne of grace. And that is the blessing being spoken over you in your day of trouble from the word of God. Next, verse 3, it says, May he remember all your meal offerings and find all your burnt offerings acceptable. Now we don't give meal offerings and burnt offerings anymore, but we do offer to God our humble service. We play the piano, uh, maybe, and we say, God, would you remember all the years that I played the piano? Or would you remember all the years and all the sermons I preach? Or would you remember all the years that I worked in the nursery? Or would you remember all the service that I've given in Sunday school? Would you remember all the things that I've done to try to help your work? Would you just remember my service? Would you just remember my faithfulness? That's the, the expression in this psalm. It's just faithful service. God remembering, God being aware of, of our own journey. And so here you have a picture. Uh, we've been, talked about over the last uh, uh, several weeks 
about trouble, the, the seasons of suffering in our life, and, and the Spirit's intercession, and, and God being at work to bring everything together to work it for good. That's what you see in this psalm. The Spirit searching your heart, knowing your heart, communicating to God your present need with a reminder of those simple acts of faithfulness uh, that you've been uh, faithful in. And the Bible tells us, Be not weary in well-doing, for in due season you will reap if you faint not. Keep on serving the Lord, and somewhere around the bend of life a reward is waiting and a blessing is coming, and it may come in the midst of some day of trouble when you need it most. So, as you see here, all during David's day of trouble, he continued to lift up worship to God in the hope that God would receive it and intervene in his circumstances. Isn't that why that you come to church? Uh, that's, that's, that's why I come to church, and I've come to church in the past. Because I needed the Lord. I, I needed God to come through for me. I needed an answer. I needed some help. I needed some relief. And, and I came with my hand up. God, it, it's, it's not my brother. It's not my sister. It's me, O oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. And maybe that's how you walked in the door tonight. You walked in with a burden on your shoulders. You walked in with your heart standing on tiptoe saying, God, I want you to see me. I want you to see my circumstances. I want you to see my need. Look at verse 4. He says, May he grant you your heart's desire and fulfill all your counsel. What is the desire of your heart tonight? Now, when you think about the desire of your heart, obviously, <clears throat> if the desire of your heart is a Cadillac, that's not the kind of desire uh, that we're talking about. Uh, we're talking about the, the specific need that you have, uh, 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 the desire of your heart in a time of need and about your need. And, and literally, this reads the way it reads in Hebrew is, may he give to you according to your heart. So tonight you've come with a cry on your heart and a cry in your soul. It may be about some personal need or some need in your family or some longing in your soul for something that would honor God and glorify God. We watched a little video this morning, the Lottie Moon video of the, of the little Ecuadorian lady who talked about the dream that was in her heart. It was a kingdom dream. That was the desire of her heart. Did you know that there is a God in heaven who can grant to you according to your heart? Did you know that the Bible says in Psalm 37 verse 4, Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. What does it mean to delight yourself in the Lord? Well, it means something similar to what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Make the Lord's priorities your priorities. Make the passion of God's heart the passion of your heart. Make living for the Lord the priority of your life. Make loving the Lord uh, something that's, a, that's part of your, your daily life. And when you delight yourself in the Lord, the Lord will delight himself in you. And he will delight to give you the desire of your heart. He will know what your needs are. And 
He, the Bible says, as we've looked at it in Romans, he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Then it says, and fulfill all your counsel in that verse 4. Now, I know when we think of counsel, we think of maybe uh, that's advice you give to others. But if you look at this verse in some other translations, many of them translate it this way. May he fulfill all your plans. In other words, this has reference to the counsel that you taken in your own soul, doing your best to follow the guidance of the Spirit, to, to follow God, to make good and godly decisions. It's a prayer that your plans will be blessed and made successful by God. You got some plans. You got some things that you're working on. You, got, you need the Lord's blessings on those plans. You need the Lord's blessing on your future and the decisions you've made. Boy, don't we all. Well, the scripture says here, I remind you about what it says in terms of Samuel. Little Samuel, you know, who his mother brought to the Lord and, and promised him to God and gave him to God. And, and, and as Samuel grew up, this is what the Bible says about how God fulfilled Samuel's plans and made him successful. The Bible says in 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 19, that, that the Lord let none of his words fall to the ground. He made Samuel's words come true. He made his plans successful. Think of all that we've said in regard to the first, verse, first four verses of this psalm that the Holy Spirit intercedes for you, longing. This is the longing of God himself that these things be true in your life. Again, we think of God as a heavenly father. What do you want for your kids? Do you want your kids to be successful? Do you want your kids to be happy? Do you want your kids to be secure? Do you want them to be blessed? Do you not think that God wants the same thing for you as his child? Look at verse 5. He says, we will sing for joy over your victory. And in the name of our God, we will set up our banners. May the Lord fulfill all your petitions. When I want to ask you a question. When has a prayer ever been prayed with such an anticipation of victory? This prayer is prayed with anticipation as if we know this thing's going to be answered. This is going to be, this is going to be done. This is going to be fulfilled. Look at it. We will sing for joy over your victory. And in the name of our God, we will set up our banners. May the Lord fulfill all your petitions. And of course, some people see this as a messianic psalm and they see it being spoken over the Lord Jesus himself. Think of that, if that's true. Think of verse 5, spoken over the Lord Jesus Christ. May the Lord fulfill all your petitions. Lord, all the prayers that you pray, make them come to pass. I remind you of a prayer prayed in a cemetery outside a tomb where a man lay locked in the vice grip of death, helpless and hopeless, not only to himself, but all to knew him and loved him. And then Jesus came and he stood outside the tomb and prayed. And even though we don't know what he prayed, when he finished his prayer, before he said his amen, he said, Father, I thank you that you heard me. I knew that you always hear me. 
But because of the people standing around me, I said it so that they may believe that you sent me. And then he cried with a loud voice in anticipation of absolute victory in terms of the prayer he prayed. And he cried, Lazarus, come forth. And Lazarus, who had been dead and in the tomb for four days, came out of the tomb alive. Who did that? That's something only God could do, and he did it in answer to the prayer of the Lord Jesus. Here is a similar anticipation of answer to prayer. It is advanced thanksgiving for the answer. It's preparation to worship in celebration of the answer. And so here is that word prayed over your life right here in this psalm. The Spirit, who is the author of the word, praying, anticipating that his desire, his petitions would be fulfilled in your life, meeting your deep needs. So you need to receive that tonight. Verse 6, now I know that the Lord saves his anointed. He will answer him from his holy heaven with the saving strength of his right hand. Imagine this, still in the midst of his difficulty, still facing his enemy, still bearing the burden of his need, still weighed down beneath the clouds of desperation. David stands on tiptoe to utter these words of faith in his day of trouble. God, I know that you'll hear an answer. I think of that prayer that Jehoshaphat prayed in the 20th chapter of Second Chronicles when he was besieged by an enemy and he said, Lord, he said, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. And he said, look, God, haven't you in the past delivered your people? Haven't you in the past done this and done, done this for your people? Can you not do it now? And you remember Jehoshaphat sent out uh, the army in anticipation of victory and sent the choir ahead of the army praising God in advance for what he knew God would do. He was just that confident. And then we come down to verse 7. He says, Some trust in chariots and some trust in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. I don't know if you know this or not, but this is one of the oldest refrains from the, one of the oldest hymns in the Bible. Some trust in horses, some trust in chariots, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. You know where it comes from? You remember that time when the children of Israel were listening to the thunder of Pharaoh's chariots rushing at them, and they were blocked by the waters of the Red Sea, and then suddenly the waters of the Red Sea parted, and they crossed on dry land and Pharaoh's chariots and horsemen ran into the Red Sea and then the waters closed on top of them. Do you remember that? Well, when they came across on the other side, Moses wrote a song and Miriam led the singing. And here's that song. I will sing to the Lord for he is highly exalted. The horse and its rider he has hurled into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my salvation. He is my Father's God, and I will praise His name. Some trust in chariots, and some trust in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. David's just singing a hymn 
just lifting it up to the Lord. God, this is something only you can do, and I know that you can do it in my behalf. So in verse 8 he says, They have bowed down and fallen, but we have risen and stood upright in anticipation of what he knew God was going to do. God, you're going to help me. God, you're going to get me out of this. And you know, one of the things that might help you tonight as you lie down in your sleep rather than building the scenarios of disaster that we talk about sometimes of all the bad things that are going to happen and all the calamities that are going to come because of the present crisis rather than telling yourself that story or listening to the devil tell you that story rather say Lord I thank you in advance for how you're going to deliver me I don't know how you're going to deliver me I don't know how God, that you are going to take all of these things and work them into good. But God, I know that you are because that is the promise of your word. Finally, we get to verse 9 and we finish it up. He says, Save, O Lord. May the king answer us in the day we call. This final cry is directed to no earthly king, but to the great sovereign of the universe who behind the scenes of your life and mine is working all things together for good to those who love him, to those who are called according to his purpose. So when you're in trouble, who should you call? Well, there's nowhere else to look. There's nowhere else to turn. There, there is no one who cares for you like the one who sits at the right hand of the throne of heaven, who the Bible says is ever interceding for God's children. May the Lord answer you in the day that you call. And here it ends with the plea to the great King of heaven for the salvation that only he can provide. So how can we be so bold as to pray such a prayer uh, in our needs? How can we cast all of our care upon him? Because with the utmost confidence we can know that the God who sits on the throne of heaven, who has granted us permission to call him Abba, Father, knows our needs and knows our names. He knows the road that you travel. He knows the road that I travel. And he delights in granting you the desires of your heart. Let's pray. God, we thank you for these encouraging words from your word.